Hi, I'm Carissa Schlott. And I am Sharice Schlott. Welcome to Between Between Us, a podcast that highlights our relationship as sisters, providing a safe space to share our stories. These conversations highlight unity and connection, the through lines that connect all of us as human beings. Before we dive in, we would like to highlight that the views expressed in each episode are a product of our own research and experiences. Our opinions are not representative of any professional affiliations we may have. Episode 7. A joy that is shared is a joy made double. We are very excited to bring you this fun conversation with two sisters who just happen to be twins. We explore the dynamics of being sisters, twin tuition, working in construction, home building, which are very male-dominated industries. We also explore dating and companionship, and the transition into becoming entrepreneurs. So welcome Whitney and Kirby, Miranda, everyone. Welcome everyone listeners. Today we have the Property Twins, aka Whitney and Kirby Miranda. Who are identical twin sisters that were born like three pounds, uh, very prematurely. Who was born first? Whitney. Uh, How many minutes between? 20 minutes. Our mom's a saint. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. And so uh, Whitney Miranda is a licensed realtor and Kirby is her unlicensed assistant. Yes. And they both grew up in a very small farming community, the same small farming community that Charisse and I grew up in. Little town of Lowland. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And just for our listeners, you might have a hard time telling their voices apart because they're twins. So it's going to be interesting because they might not know which one of you is talking, but it's very exciting. It'll be fun. And that was part of the reason that Charisse and I wanted to do a podcast. And we're so thrilled to have you as our first sister guest, sisterhood guest, because there's something that's so fun and interesting about the dynamic of siblings. And then I think twins takes it to a whole other level. Yeah. (laughs) Twin tuition. And yeah. We call it thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. (laughs) As Chris's youngest son would say, it's next level. (laughs) 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 all right so ready to dive in did you guys want to add anything to the intro about yourselves our adventure so far at 40 years old (laughs) so like Krista said we grew up in the little town of Lomond our parents were farmers just like theirs are we went to school k-12 there were very small classes Kirby and I were the only girls in our graduating class and then four boys how many did you have in your classes? I had five. I had 12. Wow. <laughs> I was a big one. <laughs> then when we graduated, Kirby went to the college and I started in engineer design and drafting. Then I switched to interior design. I actually did my practicum with the Daytona Homes and then started my career with them for 12 years, doing everything from ordering, estimating, drafting a little, and then interior design. And then the last number of years into sales in the show home. And I went to university and college as well and got my management degree. And then I sold windows for all weather windows. I was the first dealer woman salesperson in the country after 30, the business had been around for 30 years. Wow. Um, (laughs) And then I transitioned from windows to new homes for Ashcroft Homes for seven years where I sat in the show home and sold a pre-sales and spec inventory. And then in the last year and a half, we've made the transition into selling real estate. Nice. I was also with Galco (laughs) for six and a half years. Yeah, and fun fact, Kirby helped design our home that Steve and I and our kids live in, which we love. Yay, yes. So before we really dive in, my mom shared a story with me because she was your kindergarten teacher. Does it involve a toaster? No. (laughs) But now I want to know the toaster story. Yeah, so you'll have to tell that one next. But (laughs) the story she told was one day you guys got off the school bus and you disappeared into the bathroom. (laughs) And you were there for quite some time. And then when you emerged, you were fully blitzed out in makeup. (laughs) And you had brought your mother's makeup to school. 
We're not surprised. <laughs> or we would try to like bring Brett's clothes because we thought they were like cuter. So we'd try to change into them. <laughs> <laughs> and Danita would drop, uh, sell Avon and give it to Clayton to give to us. And then we would take it and open it and <laughs> at the school. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. And Clayton would cry. <laughs> <laughs> No, the toaster story is, is that we went, I think, to your grandma's house or did your, did your mom and dad live in town? Yes, when? we lived in town at that time. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she had us over to make these little pizza bites for lunch and she was using a toaster and I like put my hand on the side of the toaster and totally burnt it. <laughs> oh, oh no. I lived. <laughs> did you have to go to the hospital after? No, 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 no. no. But Again, Clayton said, I remember in slow-mo you touching the side of the toaster. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. That's awesome. Yeah, so if you guys don't mind starting kind of at your roots, our roots in Lomond, and just starting with your experience, what it was like growing up in Lomond for you. Well... Being in the farming community, there was a lot of stuff that we got to do on the farm and a lot of interaction with our grandparents and our uncle, um, like our school bus drove right past the farm so we could get on and off at, at there and see our grandma every day if we wanted to, which was which was awesome. And or even just building the relationship with your school bus driver that drives for 13 years. Derwin Grant was a big part of our life. And, you know, we were the first on and last off and you talk to him until the first people got on the bus. And so he knew everything, all, all the secrets, family secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and one time he did tell him when we were like, you're a big blabbermouth. <laughs> so then from there on, he asked, can I tell, talk about this? <laughs> But, uh, I mean, we were involved in every sport they had just because it was something to do, right? And uh, 4-H. And, no, we should go back to sports. We were actually your volleyball coach. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. In grade. I think finally, when I was probably in grade, I don't even know, there was finally enough kids available between junior high and senior high to form a volleyball team. <laughs> yeah. I think we were in grade 12. Mm. Okay. And yeah. you were in grade eight maybe and Brett was in grade seven I think or not okay so I would be grade eight then yeah and or maybe it was a little bit no we had to be because we're five and a half years different between Brett and us so right so you're so you're the oldest of the children in your family and then you have a younger sister yeah we have a little sister Brett and and she was in between you guys right yeah exactly she was one or two years older than me yeah, yeah. and one year younger than Carissa yeah you know, you know, everybody, we know the whole family. <laughs> she, she was kind of, because Kirby and I had each other and she was so much younger than us. She kind of had like mom was her buddy kind of, cause we had each other and kind of was an only child when we left, obviously. And <laughs> got to spend lots of time, time together, but right. I, I don't know. I, I think we got a really good appreciation for small town community living, like being part of 4-H and, you know, doing all of the charter nights and serving and learning lots with public speaking and community service with highway cleanup and all those types of activities that I think really gave us a good base on um, giving back to the community, knowing how important it is to learn those skills, uh, being involved just in general, whether it was, yeah, grad class and raising money so you could have a really nice grad or, you know, there was just so many things that the community does come together in and support each other. Um, and like even going to church, like we interacted with the 80 year olds and the four year olds because there was only so many of us. I'm sure you felt the same thing. Yes. Yeah, a very like kindred relationship with people of all ages. And like, I think we probably attended more funerals mm -hmm. than birthday parties because it was such a symbol of community to come together. And I think it actually helped later in life to like, to process that, what that, loss of life was like and that it's you know an, actually a celebration oh, oh for sure at 40 years old you know when people say i don't like going to funerals well nobody likes going to yeah, a funeral right. <laughs> but like it's part of yes. life and we already had gone to so many as kids even so you know a lot of adults that have never been to a funeral before i know and that that's crazy and even in you know my field in counseling i'm so grateful to have just the the vast experiences of life and death and and like I said everything in between 
Mm. Whether that was community, whether that was on the farm with animals, to really have the full understanding of life. And I think we've, I've talked about lots of, there's a death aversion in our culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's sadly inevitable, but we're all going to die <laughs> at some point yes, or another. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a brighter note. <laughs> <laughs> You're both incredibly generous. Like I think that, um, that community spirit that you talk about from our small town you have certainly absorbed it. And I've witnessed you selflessly give so much of your time and energy to the city of Lethbridge where you live now. And so I was curious, like, where does that come from? Do you think like, was there somebody in your family that modeled that? Um, well, dad didn't even join lions until later on in life, but our grandma was always part of like the sunshine. What was it called? The sunshine club or whatever the community sounds about right. Yeah. And and, yeah, nobody's critiquing us. It was some name um, on it. And, you know, you just kind of all knew that you you had to do that. And we really liked 4-H and what how it felt and what we could do. And I actually joined the Rotary Club, the downtown chapter, about three years ago because I liked that camaraderie that we had in the club, what we could do to give back. Uh, I mean, you know, you could always do more, but it's a start. And I really, really enjoy that aspect of that service club. Mm-hmm. I was part of the Home Builders Association, which is now called Build. But for eight years, about 17 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> but held a lot of different positions, you know, also to meet people because we were new to Lethbridge, you know, just because you're an hour away. We didn't know as many people back then. And we loved the industry and wanted to know lots about the people in the industry. So the best way to do it is join a club. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and just like a a genuine interest and curiosity in people. And I think also from the outside observing your success is because you seem to understand the philosophy that like what you give is what you get, right? If you do the right thing for people, the success will follow. Yeah. It is very, very true for sure. And and just caring, just talking to people, being human. <laughs> it sounds simple, but that goes a long way. A smile and saying hello. Dad taught really, you know, whether it's a stranger walking down the street, you know, making eye contact and saying hello was very important to him for sure. Well, and for anybody that hasn't already picked up on this, just from hearing their voices, like, I would describe the two of you as like sunshine. Like you just make people feel (laughs) happy. Like you have an infectious joy at all times. Our Um, mother would say they have nothing to be sad about. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because people would say that when we were little kids. They're they're so smiley. They're so happy. happy. They laugh all the time, which is something, I mean, our entire lives, whether... I am standing in a store. Somebody will come from nowhere nowhere, and be like, I heard you laugh. And so it's good and bad. <laughs> okay. I need to know. I need to know which of you laughs loudest. Kirby. Yes, I would say so. I'm trying. I'd say I was trying to <laughs> tune it down. My old boss, Murray, would say in inside voices, Kirby, inside voices. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I would love to just keep exploring your relationship as six sisters and the bond that you've had. I don't know. I just like an insular view of of your relationship because I think being twins is just such a unique connection. Yes, we we feel very we're so connected. We don't even have to say very much. And we know what the other one is thinking and feeling. And if one's upset, the other one's upset. If one's happy, the other one's happy. Like it's, it's very fluid that way. It's mirrored. You take it on. Like if I'm upset, Whitney's mouth is mimicking my words (laughs) and she is in the battle with me and she's fighting it with me because we're protective of each other. And yeah, very much. And it's because I think we're just so side by side our entire lives that, you know, when we were kids, 
we, we were kind of sick of each other because, you know, there was no other outlets. We were on the farm. There was nobody else that we could see. We didn't have cousins. We didn't have close neighbors, nothing like that. So when we'd go to school, we, when we didn't get picked to be with some of the other kids, we would usually get stuck together, which we thought was terrible at the time <laughs> because, you know, all the other kids like were cousins. So they were happy to see each other because they're not sick of each other. And all the town kids were happy to see each other because they know each other that much better. And then we were stuck, but now we wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Full circle moment, eh? Full circle. Yeah, we fought a lot as kids, but then probably grade like seven. Then I think it totally changed for whatever reason. Our- and we love each other. <laughs> some of that surrendering to be like okay like we're we're kind of we're this is our situation and just surrendering to that yeah well we even I remember hearing maybe as like a teenager how in bigger schools twins got separated so they were one was in each class so that they couldn't rely on each other one could be a stronger twin they each could develop I was horrified to hear that horrified what? Why would they do that to them? Like, that's cruel. <laughs> I think some situations it works best. Um, I think in our whole lives, we've taken turns leading, following, leading, following. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that this morning, actually. Like when I was, you know, some, I maybe did a little bit better in school. So like I, I was probably stronger in school. And then when we got to out of university, well, going to college, I was only in it for three years, and Winnie was in it for like seven, six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was already out in the work field, so I was already had the opportunity. I was making money. I was going up the totem pole, and like Whitney was still in school, yeah. so I had like a three or four year leap on her of gaining those (laughs) relationships, those connections and making money and kind of being in like, let's call it the power role of making decisions even because I had the more money and she worked on weekends and nights then at the show home. And then I was more of a nine to eight to five for eight to seven job, but at least I was home a little bit earlier. So then I would be responsible for making dinner and things like that because we would be eating till nine o'clock. And then the roles changed where I was working at the show home, working late. And then she was the sales manager. So So I was home. So she was home. And then I got my license to sell real estate and was, I'm busier and Kirby's unlicensed. So now she takes on like the mom role. (laughs) And to be honest, I don't really like it. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get licensed. (laughs) But like Kirby's had an assistant for 16 years. Mm, Right. And then changes roles to be my assistant. And it's a an eye opener. Which I think that's so, that is so incredible though, that you have both like you said, led and followed that you just let the ebb and flow happen. And even though there's maybe one role that you don't like, like, I like that you didn't, like it almost propelled you both forward as opposed to making one of you miserable and dragging the other one down. Well, we're, and we're figuring it out. Like this career change is not all, and we've never had the squabbles. Or but we haven't had the responsibility. We're looking after like IT and accounting and marketing and selling and all the things. And just at the end of the day, you are the only ones responsible. Mm-hmm. No one, no one else is. There is no passing the buck. It is all four fingers pointing back. <laughs> totally. So let, let's explore that a little bit. The transition of going from being an employee to becoming entrepreneurs and starting your own business. What would you say was like, was the catalyst? How did you overcome the, like, I can just imagine for myself, the fears and roadblocks um, of taking that first leap? Well, being new home sales, we were a hundred percent commission. So it was like being your own boss because you had the whole responsibility of making your own wage, yet you had to still answer to all of the bosses and coworkers that you work with and your clients and your clients. So you're trying to make everybody happy on it. And so 
that is probably the biggest thing that I have come to appreciate is that I just have to make my clients happy and focus on what they want. And it has been really enjoyable to not have that all that whole other level of stress, because if it's, if it's not stressful enough to be a hundred percent commission, you have to make everybody happy. It's hard, very hard <laughs> and still do what they ask you to do. I think that is so brilliant because you're right. And this is true. I think for any any leader in, in middle management as well, it's almost like you're trying to protect the space from yourself for yourself because you're getting pressure from the top and you're getting pressure from the bottom and you're trying to just keep squeezing that space for yourself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> to hold for yourself, right? And to like filter information back and forth. But ultimately you're right, you're, you're serving a client because without that customer, the whole company falls apart. Yeah, right. and I just always thought that and you're representing both sides. Like, yes. I think that is a technique in itself where a lot of people are like, oh, you're for the builder. Well, at the end of the day, I if both parties aren't happy, there is no transaction and I don't get paid. Yes. So we all have to work together, come to compromises, explain the situation and, and agree and make and forward happy. <laughs> I, I just really realized that I wanted to be my own boss. I just thought I could do things better um, different and, and different. You know, you can only fight that battle so long. And then I realized, like, I need to make a change. I watched enough Gary Vee <laughs> to know that, like, it, you know, you have to have your side hustle. You have to work to get towards what you want. You can't quit your job right now until you have your next job kind of in place. So I did my course. It took me 18 months to get finished because I had like a very stressful, like big position selling new homes. So it took me that long to get licensed. And then once I was licensed, then I joined Remax. And the last, uh, my first day of work was March 2nd. The pandemic hit what, March 13th. There were tears of wondering, you know, how are we going to make this work is in this new career change for WIT. And I was still with, well, Delco Renos, Paul Davis, you know, first I learned that that's kind of a, another thing I want to say is that whether it was Daytona, all weather, Ashcroft, Galco, Galco Renos, Paul Davis, all of these businesses taught us so much, gave us so many connections and experience and experience. And, you know, were a huge part of shaping us in our next fields and next careers, right? Like we can help so many people when we look at houses and, and get them the people they need to fix things or, you know, make it the very best it can to make them the most amount of money and easier and way easier. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. Just as you guys were kind of explaining being in, in the organizations you were, I see such a huge parallel between growing up in a small community and then operating in the organization, because I think there's a really unique skill set that growing up in a small community gives you. Sometimes it's it's got its downfalls, but in the sense that you have to learn to get along with people because you are stuck with these people for, yeah. well, you're at least 18, right? Yeah. So you're like, <laughs> how do I survive in this? We have to figure out a way. Yeah. Especially when you are farmers, like when you're in the city, people move, people switch schools, people go to another volleyball team, whatever it may be. Not in Lomond. No, mm. there is the same <laughs> piano teacher or the same church or the same, you know, you have to figure it out. Yes. There aren't other, many other options. Totally. And you can't just tell somebody to F off because you're going to see them the next day at school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's no separation. Yeah, exactly. It makes it too difficult. It is. That is very, very true. She's yeah. like, I, I feel like even like, you know, trying to bring the fun to it. Like, yeah, this isn't just a job. Like we were girl, we were taught, you know, you have to, you know, do things for the people. So, you know, we put the hot lunches on, we organized the showers, we organized, like, you know, you did so many things for your community to make it better. And I feel like when we were at work, you know, we were always trying to plan like a, a Christmas party or like a, a night out, like team building and different the caroling, the help with the movie in the park, you know, like, all of those things to like fun make, activities to make and make it. it the best it can be. Like, you know, we wanted to jump in and help because we wanted it to be the best. The best. Mm -hmm. yes. I, and I think, oh, I said this to Whitney yesterday. I was like, we just try to do it all. <laughs> like, it, it's, 
you try to have the nicest flowers or you try to have the nicest clothes and look good and put yourself together and go and- to all the events. And we really enjoy it, but it definitely is a lot. But, <laughs> and provide it for our customers, you know, like give them, set them up with the cleaning person or whatever, because it helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then I hear what you're saying. It's like, it's, it's almost this built-in resiliency and I, what do I call this? I call this like the relentless self, like independence as well, where you're like, you know, you can. Yeah. But my new kind of motto in life is just because I can, doesn't mean I should. Yeah. We're not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you're thinking about this, like of of now becoming business owners, you are forced now to wear all of the hats, every hat. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no finite boundary in place saying, okay, that's enough there. Or Mm -hmm. it's five o'clock. It's time to go home. So there, Uh there are no, the only boundaries that exist are the ones that you would have to self-create, right? Like, Mm -hmm. You are yeah. your business. And I'm sure it's just like, you could give endlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yes, that, you can. there is no end. But that's why I really feel like we've been so successful. Oh, for sure. Because they want that, le- people want that level of, uh, of service. And I feel like it's not always going to be like this. It's going to slow down a some, but I feel like we probably still will be successful let's say yeah, yeah, yeah we think because we know that we can we give it all what I hear from you guys is even even if it wasn't as there wasn't as much momentum I feel like you would still make it happen yeah you and work extremely hard yes I have thanks, thanks. <laughs> I feel like that is the biggest compliment that anybody can ever give me because I know you are such a hard worker and you're like, it is, I, that, that is like such a compliment to me. I had another realtor ask like, what did you do? Like you were starting a new business in the pandemic and what, like, what were you thinking every day? And well, you know, does the nap on the couch sound appealing? Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) But you just kept, I just kept thinking, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing? I can do one more post. I can do one more call. I can, I can work on the website. We can work on people that are going to do jobs that we're not good at, like accounting and IT and help with marketing. Because if we, if we do those, get those, that help, we can focus on what we're really good at and grow. Amazing. And I really try to like also talk to other people. Like I try to set meetings maybe once every one one or two weeks, like where I'm meeting another realtor or another person in the industry so I can learn something <laughs> from them yes. to, to set me that next step ahead. Because I really feel like you can learn so much from people if you just listen. And I have a tough time with it, but I really try to make a point of doing that. You know what? And what I'm really hearing too in in what both of you are saying is this is where it's so beautiful because I'm like business is its own entity, but I truly see it's about your character. It's about your willingness to do the work, to learn and grow. So it's it's actually about you, if if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's also like, it's, it's providing folks an experience, like but we want that too. But we want it too. We want to get just as much out of it as they do. I want to have, I want to show houses and, you know, we've been so lucky that, you know, probably 95% of the people we work with are people we know. Yeah. So yes. you get to go and have an open conversation. You're not selling. You're not you're, selling yourself. No, you're yes. giving. Yes. You're yes. not. Oh, and you're not selling. You're giving. Yes. That's what you're doing. And giving feels good. Oh, yes. yes. And people are highly attuned to that shady feeling, right? I know, same thing as a a business owner. I can tell when somebody's giving me a pitch or when I feel like there's a hidden agenda that comes through crystal clear. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm like, I'm going the opposite way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And trust me, there are lots of situations where there is the knots in the stomach and the waking up in the middle of the night, even when it wasn't entirely your fault. You were part of it. You were there. You're all in it together. You take it on. Yeah. You can't help it (laughs) because you genuinely care. Like you, you feel it. 
Well, and that's, that's where I mean, there's no separation between you and what you're doing. No. Yeah. So we, we got to work on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I guess that's that part of the learning, but I think it's really beautiful what you guys said about just knowing where your strengths are and then knowing where to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. There's no sense struggling trying to do a web page when it's not your thing. <laughs> yeah. You could spend so many hours doing it and like, we could do it. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, and we're, we are doing it. You have built a web page. I've built a web page. Like, but it's not productive. No, it's not. And spelling. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, though, too, is how much time is an investment? How much time is money? Right. right? And this is something that I think growing up in our farming community, they didn't view it quite that way. Like, I think, you know, my dad relentlessly worked. If he can fix it, he will. If he can. <sighs> take 10 hours to do something he will. But I guess from my perspective, I'm like, that is time. And that is also money. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, our dad was the same way. Yeah. You know, we are all the same way because of our parents. Yes. Right. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Which, and you want to know what's funny, Whitney? I have a one plaque up in my wall and the quote on it is don't, don't wish for it, work for it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It's so true. Well, they taught us like hard work. Like you yes. have to work hard. That was the old, like, I don't know if we heard it once, we heard it a million times. You have to work hard and you get nice things when you work hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we like nice things. Yep. <laughs> we like the shiny objects or the, the carrot dangling at the end. Yeah. Yes. And yet, you know, I should, I want to say something about that. Like I worked for a boss and he said though, to me, he'd worked with other salespeople in real estate before. And he said, you're the only person though, that I've ever worked for that doesn't have like the problem to work this hard. They're not a gamb- addictions. addictions, a gambling, shopping, spending too much money. We do shop a lot. Like, we do shop a lot. <laughs> but the point is, is that he's like, you don't like you work that hard because you want to work that hard, not because you have to work that hard. You have to pay off whatever you have to do this. You Mm. have to do that. And he's like, it's, it's, and I thought that that was such a compliment. (laughs) But I'm also thinking like to have that endless flow of drive and passion, if we were only working for something external that eventually fades, that can only take you so far. And so I'm sensing that your drive is coming from service, right? Like, like there's a bigger purpose there for you. And to me, that's like an endless source. It's so strange at 40 years old, how you still want to make your parents proud. Mm. And you, you think that by working this hard, you know, they'll be, and they are proud, obviously, but that is a big driving source because we already have a nice house and have lots of things and stuff like that. And I still like those things, obviously, but it's true. Like you just want people to be proud of you. Yeah. And it isn't just your parents. It's the people that you work with that you want them to be proud and that they're, they feel good, you know, the process you hear so many horror stories and you know, it doesn't take much for the the wheels to fall off. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, I'm even thinking like, and you work with people when they're in a fairly vulnerable state, right? Where they're making a big life decision. Yes. One of their biggest investments they'll ever make in their life. And I'm sure emotions and stakes are high. Yes. A little high. I almost should have gone to school to be in psychology because social work or something, because we're the first ones to find out if people are getting married. We're the first ones to find out if they're having babies. We're the first ones to find out if they're getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. hard sometimes. I wish I had more tools for that. But mom even said the other day when he said, I'm working with five couples this week that are getting a divorce and it's hard. Yeah. And when he, or mom said, but you're helping them. You're really helping them because they have to get to the next level as quickly and painlessly as possible. And you can do that for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and I do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're helping, helping them. looks very different. Yeah. And I, I understand that though, because you are obviously highly empathetic people. I am empathetic, but I take it on. I feel so terrible for them that they're having to go through this. And 
and you hope that you're saying the right things because I'm not qualified <laughs> to talk about some of those things, right? Here's what's so brilliant. Like, I, I honestly believe like people don't remember what you said in those moments. They just basically remember like, how did they make me feel? Yeah. Totally. Right? And because how you guys feel like sunshine, like you make people feel good just by the energy that you bring. And just holding space for them in that moment. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Holding that space for them, right? When they are struggling or whatever. And then like your, your mom said, helping them find a new home for their next chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's the intention behind what you're doing, right? That it doesn't matter so much how the words are coming out. It's people's sense that you are genuinely caring. It's what what kind of energy you're giving off is more important. It's true. And I, and I feel like they can sense it too. Like if you're not in the right headspace, like you have to make things good for your, your life. Otherwise it just, people can see it so easily. Yeah. And if things are wrong, we have found like, we just have to address it. You tell the truth, you face it head on and like, it sucks but you're going to figure it out because I can't have stuff eating me alive and I can't not be sleeping because I have a big job and I need to get things done and I need to feel good about myself and people can feel it and sense it if you you don't. Yes. And this is what I was getting to earlier because it's so tied to your, both of yours investment in yourself and your evolution, your personal evolution, right? Because I feel like you can only go as far as you're willing to work on yourself. Right. Yeah. Very good. That's good. Well, and what I love is that in those tough moments that you have each other. Oh, yeah. So lucky. We say it every day, you know, and people are like, I think people are coming around to the idea. Like when you're younger, people are like, how come you're not married? Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're like, uh, life is really good. (laughs) How it is. Yeah. And we do have each other. And like, there is companionship and love. And like, it just makes up so much of the relationship. You're so fulfilled that you're not looking for or craving that attention from, from somebody else. And like, I, I'm sure we're going to maybe feel like we might've missed out because you don't know what you don't know in the future by not having a husband or not having kids or whatever. But we know in this moment that we're happy and that things are good and and that you really do do stuff for the other person, you know, you do make them the tomato sandwich because they're starving and you take it to them because they're hungry and they'll so appreciate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And when you were sharing how the fluidity in your, in your relationship and even just who's kind of filling more of the household roles, I'm like, this is exactly what even a, a spousal relationship is. Right? Oh, for sure. Totally. For sure. There's only one little thing missing. <laughs> 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 and so are you willing to talk about uh dating there's nothing <laughs> there's to talk, talk about, talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes we we do realize that you would have to make room for something like that in your life and I don't think that and we and we understand that like we know why it's not happening we don't have room for that you know are we social do we get out there do we meet more people than probably most people yes but at the end of the day, you still have to make room for to invite somebody like that into your life. And we just it doesn't feel like we're there or. Yeah. And like when other people are like, yeah, it's because you're intimidating. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They haven't even said hello yet to us. They don't know. They don't know anything like that to be intimidated. And are you intimidating or are they intimidated? Yeah, yes, yeah. they're intimidated maybe when they know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And that feels like one of those cultural gendered stereotypes where it's like, because you guys shine so brightly, you you create a lot of space in a room. And why the fuck shouldn't a woman do that? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't even think that we're trying to do that. No, it's just who you are. It's your essence. You have big essence. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's it's okay though because life's good. And it's better to be single than wishing you were, because you know we've all been in relationships that we don't want to want to maybe been in. And <laughs> can I get that? <laughs> and life is good. So like, I don't know. I don't, I just don't think we need to change anything until until it feels right. 
And I love that. And I love that you're an example of that yeah. for somebody else who is probably also feeling that pressure of like, well, why aren't you married yet? Or why don't you have kids? Right. That you are showing what it's like to live and be happy and to, and to like push against that stereotype, but that's what happiness is. Yeah. And there's more and more of it though. And we know it from selling houses. You know how many women we've worked with buying houses, even versus men, like single men versus single women. Woo. I bet it's like 90, 10, 90% women, 10% men going and buying a house by themselves to like get ahead and know that like, this is my life and my path. Wow. Amazing. And maybe it's because we're women too. I don't know, but we've been doing it a long time. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't just this year's stats. This is 18 years of stats. <laughs> you have the field research. Oh, and I know like statistically, even with the transfer of wealth, it is, I want to say between 65 and 75% women who are going to have the wealth of the next generation that transfers. So huh. the wow. world is changing. And I wanted to go back to like being a mother too, because I think we have a lot of hangups of like being a mother is having children, right? But we are mothers in so many ways. And in some respects, you're mothers to your clients. Mothering is just this endless giving, caring, and exactly what you've been sharing. Oh, yeah. I think that we do play a good role of that. I think we actually would be quite good moms. <laughs> it's all the rest. Not, not that we want to do that together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People ask us, well, you can do it. Oh yeah, we could do it. Do you want to do it? And do you want to do it together? <laughs> no, not really. A business is, has a, is a baby in itself enough. <laughs> and... Yeah. Yes. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Our, our girlfriend would say though, we're like, we don't know how you do it with kids. And she's like, but other things give, right? Like you can't do it all because you have kids. Like it's just your priorities change. And you're like, yeah, your priorities do change in life as you grow and what's important. And yeah, I know. And, you, and you're right. Like you just do, you just figure out a way to, to make it work. Like something that was helpful for me when my kids were really little and I was feeling this like this ambition to want to go back to work, but I was battling with myself. Like, but but being a good mom means spending time with my baby. And so I was really confused, but something that somebody said helped me, which was like, you can have it all, just not at the same time. You can still have all that ambition. You don't have to like sacrifice it for your baby, but just hold a little space for it over here and you'll come back to it later. Yeah, that's very that's good. good. Doesn't all have to get done right now. <laughs> Whatever you do. <laughs> And whatever you do, it doesn't all have to get done right now. <laughs> She's laughing because I say that often. Well, it all has to get done. So. <laughs> <laughs> so now you'll have another little birdie saying, but not right now. No, but not right now. <laughs> I think we should also talk kind of a little bit about that as far as, you know, when one person does something versus two. And I said this, I remember saying this at Galco, like, it was a scenario. One ox can pull this much weight, but two oxes can pull triple and above the weight to get it done. And like Whitney and I's scenario in that is like so true. When one of us has to go and show houses by themselves, like Whitney's exhausted, but like if I go with her and I can help drive and I can help also entertain the customer a little while she's getting the key or looking up information, you know, it goes faster, you get it done. It's the more enjoyable that, and like, that's the biggest thing. It's more enjoyable and you're not as tired. Ah. Uh. And so beautiful because you have such an unspoken understanding of each other. Like to do that with somebody you don't have this deep understanding with would probably be so much extra work that it might not be worth it. Totally, yeah. totally, totally, totally. Or it takes that much longer to get there in that relationship, right? Yes, exactly. And this is what Glennon Doyle calls tickering. Like this is a gift of women, but like we constantly are thinking about the next thing that's going to happen, right? So like, okay, we're going to get, we got to get in the car. Do I have the keys for the house? Do I know what the code is? Um, we got to get Starbucks, whatever. Our, our brains are constantly tickering about the next thing. So the fact that you can like share in that tickering. Tickering? Oh, yeah. so true. <laughs> right? Like the, you can do this thing and you can do this thing. And like that by itself is mentally exhausting. Yes. And like, it's really noticeable. And we've talked about it a number of times, how that helps just so much. Is it the best use of time? But how do we want to use our time? We think that this is enjoyable. Yes. 
versus separate. Like if I'm at home doing paperwork and Whitney's out, I hate it. (laughs) I want to do it together. So it gets done that much faster. So I'm not there for three hours versus us being there for an hour. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. And you get to decide that with your own business. You can decide where, where you're putting yourselves, where you're investing your energy. Whereas before in an organization, that's kind of laid out for you to some extent. Yeah. Uh, which because we get to decide, we do it all now. Like, you know, we, we try to still have the, we fit the fun in with the work. So whereas before you had, I had to work till eight o'clock at night. So, you know, I couldn't fit in, you know, all these other activities in during that time. Cause I knew I had to be at the show home during that, those times. Whereas now it's like, oh, well I can show the house from three to four 30, but then I can go for supper with these people from five 30 to seven and, and I go to the show, baby shower. And, and like, so, <laughs> so now I'm fitting it all in because I have the control of my schedule and it's a lot sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know like the relaxing, the re- <laughs> like there's resting, this, the resting, all this work, and then we have this little bit of fun, but then there's no time for downtime because you're you're fitting every you're fitting all that other stuff in. And I think this is one of the curses of of again the small community thing, keeping that social face up, or it's like oh I'm just going that extra mile. Oh, I have a minute, so why not just do it? Yeah. And I can do it and yeah. I can make the time and I can yeah. go to it. Like, and I want to, there's a, there's so many things I still want to, but like to say no to a want to rest. Why would you do that? Cause you're tired. <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how do you stay well mm-hmm. for like as busy as you are and as much as you give, how do you stay well? Well, I'm worried that the time might be coming that, well, yeah, you know, that, burnout is real. I think I'm like, cause we don't make time to exercise. We don't make time to eat as well as we should. We don't drink enough water. There are things that, you know, are key things that, you know, if you don't do, you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. Sleep. We try we to try get to sleep, sleep for sleep sure. Is probably our number one medicine, like our number one vitamin. I guess. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. Is that I really try to like get enough sleep, but I'm like, you can't get run down. Like COVID aside, but then, you know, we have friends, shingles, young people under 50 pop up. And I'm like, we can't get sick like that. We can't take the time. We don't want to be sick. I'm like, Whitney, like, this is a thing. This is a thing. And this was just the other night. I was like, we've known five people in the last like month and a half. And like four are on three or four are on our street. Mm-hmm. Wow. You had it. And you're just like, this is crazy. Yeah, side note, Krista got shingles shortly after the second vaccination. Yeah, not fun. I wouldn't recommend it. Rest, take care of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Keep your stress. I I honestly think, like, I can usually feel when something's coming. My stress level was way too high before I got my second vaccination. So it was was stress-induced for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another saying that I've kind of implemented for myself is, if I say yes to this now, what am I saying no to later? And like, like you were saying about your dad fixing the machinery, like our dad did that too, but like you said it, there is a, there's a cost to that. So then you didn't get to go to your kid's volleyball game, or you didn't get to go golfing with your buddies, or you didn't get to, you know, what is the cost to that? And like, I noticed that with our dad, even now, like he doesn't want to say no to anything that he wants to do because he really feels like he missed out on a whole bunch of stuff because he works so hard. So now he has to go to all the car shows (laughs) and there's no balance. Like one time we were golfing with him and he's like, but we have to be there at like three o'clock. And it's like, well, we only have four or five more holes left of golf. You know, you can be there in an hour late. It doesn't matter. And it's like, nope, Mm -hmm. I'm not missing out on that. And you're like, but then you're You're missing missing out on this, this. (laughs) but he hasn't got that yet. At 76. Yeah. Well, and, and even like the whole rest idea, because their identity is so tied, I guess, and it has to be in a, when you're a farmer, but it's so tied to your productivity. Right. Yeah. And then I see the struggle and I even know I have this. So if I'm not doing enough, if I'm not, if I have a less than productive day in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm worthless. I'm like, worthless I did nothing today. 
Yeah. I know Whitney is way harder on herself than I am. And she's just like, but I'm the guy right now. Cause I'm responsible. Cause you're not licensed. And because I'm the face, if something goes wrong, I'm the guy that has to meet with them and be like, well, take the phone call. This isn't done or this, we can't do this or whatever the thing is. And so I'm the one that has to take on that stress. So when we don't prepare well enough or we don't have the paperwork done right, but is it because we've taken on too much or because we haven't said no, or, you know, like it's not just that moment. It was the 10 items before that. (laughs) But I think there's something to that, Whitney. I know what that weight feels like of taking on the responsibility of being like the bread earner and and the face, right? Because in a lot of ways, that is kind of the male stereotype or the male figure, the masculine energy. And so that made me think about just being females in a very male dominated industry, construction, housing. How have you stayed well in that? Honestly, we've had a very fortunate, yeah. Like I don't even, I think we have been lucky to have had lots of respect from our fellow trade suppliers, people we've worked with, customers. There has been, I don't have to tell them that I'm good. I prove that I'm good so that nothing can be said. And so we've been very lucky that we haven't got, it may take a while. Like sometimes you have to maybe bite your tongue, but you, you know, it's, you know, it's coming, you know, it's going to work out. But I also think we've had bosses that have been super respectful and nipped anything in the bud that we maybe even didn't even know about. Yeah, we wouldn't even have seen what has what was maybe happening because they were protective, I think, of us too, you know, and didn't want that. And not, I don't think that I don't know if this happened very often, you know what I mean, <laughs> or anything, but I just think that they were. So I, good that way. I remember a guy came when I was selling windows because, you know, it just is not, a, there's not very many women in that industry. There is now. There is now actually, like since I've left, there's a lot more. It's, it's kind of nice to see, <laughs> but well, and let's pause for a second there because I guarantee that you are a part of creating space for that to happen. Oh, or yeah. some other other yeah. female to look and see like, oh, Whitney did it. I could do it too. Totally, yeah. Or even just how bosses hire. Bosses hire because they saw that I did it. And so that, and the attention to detail that I yes. put into that business, which is what is needed for it. And they realized, oh, maybe we've missed out here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So I I do think that actually that the bosses kind of learned something from that. And this reminds me of, I was listening to um, Sheryl Sandberg in an interview and she said that men are supported in their potential, but women are supported in their experience and proof. So this very idea, Whitney, where you were saying, I had to silently prove myself to get to that point. And Which I is did, also what yes, I would say. It's yes. also the reason I've been successful for the same reason. Like when I walk into a room for a $20 million transaction, I, I think I get in the room easier because I'm friendly and I'm not intimidating and whatever. So I get into the room easier, but I have to work twice as hard to prove myself that I can be a, an attractive female and I can be intelligent and I can be powerful and I can get stuff done. Right. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I never, I, I don't never think about it. That I never way. thought about it. Like I just did it. Like, I don't know. Even like, I, you know, like I dress well because I wanted to dress well. I wasn't like, I'm going in there <laughs> to impress them. I'm wearing this outfit because I look good and I like the way that I look. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel good when I look good. And I feel good. And we've said that from like forever. When you look good, you present so much better. People do respect you, like look at you differently. You know, you do carry yourself different and you feel good. Yeah. And I just get this sense. You guys are just vibrating at a certain frequency. <laughs> but, but this is a very positive thing that all of the menial shit... <laughs> It's just, you're just, you're just blowing over that is menial shit. Yeah. And even when people want to talk about that, Don't like it's me wrong, you know, sometimes we can get sucked in. It does happen, but can't we all just get along? <laughs> and like, like we want women to be empowered. Also, if you don't talk about it so intensely, you're making it a thing. You don't have to make it a thing. If you're going to be that thing, people know you're that thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Like just keep rising above and being. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I, that's what we think. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end with the fast five. Fast five. All right. Let's jump into the fast five questions. They're Hopefully they're fun and not anxiety inducing. Have you ever switched places? No. But <laughs> I would say that when Whitney doesn't want to go on a date, she brings me along with her. <laughs> It's not switching places, but it's health in the scenario, any type of situation. So if somebody asks you on the, on a date and both sisters arrive, it's not a good sign for you. Not a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also kind of think if I don't know this person, like, isn't it fun, funner when there's more people and it can be more casual. And then if it's meant to be, it'll rise up. But, and I won't get invited next time. And she won't get invited (laughs) next time. But we're kind of a package deal. It's kind of part of it. (laughs) Well, at least you're being like completely honest up front too. I like that. It's kind of like, hey, this is what you're going to (laughs) get. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Take it or leave it. So I would like to ask what your favorite memory or moment with each other has been. Oh my gosh. Just knowing that you always have that person there. If you ever got into an argument with a friend or a colleague or something like that, you know, it really weighs on you and it can weigh on you for like a long, long time. You know, sometimes we get into not arguments, but like a disagreement, I guess. And it doesn't last. Like it's, it's said and it's over with and move on in, in minutes, not days or weeks or months, or, you know, you've been in a relationship. So I can only can compare it to that where something was eating up at you, you know, but you just wouldn't say it. We say it. (laughs) And you know, kind of when to say it or what to say, what not to say, what to let go easier. But I just think it's because of the relationship that we have. It's really beautiful. And I love that it's in like the difficult moments that you find the most beauty. Do we? <laughs> well, I guess if it's a difficult moment that somebody was else is part of, if it's a difficult moment where we're in it, there's no beauty, <laughs> but it's over with, but like, then it's over with. Absolutely. But there's that like foundational trust, right? Where like, you know, that you'll always come back to each other yeah, yeah. regardless of the thing. All right. Are there any resources that have really helped you as you've become entrepreneurs? Probably. Dext, the app <laughs> that you can just take pictures of receipts and it uploads to QuickBooks. I mean, sounds simple and crazy, but like silly little things like that, that are out there, but you're not aware of yeah. them. You need to like ask people in business, what makes your life better? What are the top five things that make your business easier? And things like that come up and you're like, this is amazing. You know, why haven't I done this forever? (laughs) So silly, but good. (laughs) Totally. So that's a great one. What, what other like apps, like what are your top five? Um, well, we use like Canva lots because that's for our marketing stuff. Oh, Dropbox though, probably is the number one thing because you can access it from anywhere. And it's not like you have to have the hard copy with you to do anything. Like now you can do everything online. I mean, I know that sounds like, well, of course that's what you would do, but like not everybody does that. And DocuSign, DocuSign I've used for years, but DocuSign is an amazing in this industry for the amount of paper that needs to be signed. And you can't be driving all over hell's half acre (laughs) to have people sign. Or like if you miss a a signature or something like that, like your time value is worth so much and it just helps immensely. And CamScan. I think those are all things that we in the last year and a half have really, those apps have really helped us with our business and then hiring a bookkeeper. Hiring a marketing paperwork person, you know, to really, you know, heck, hiring the 17-year-old neighbor girl to go buy you groceries and hang up your clothes. Like it all helps the end result. <laughs> and I love that you that you share that because I feel this pressure sometimes to pretend like I'm I've got it all together and I can just do it all myself, right? But like, the reality is like, oh, nobody is. Nobody can. Yeah, you can't. Nobody can. <laughs> and we have a team behind us that. Like, I, I know this was always something I wondered how like celebrities, how they like, how do they function every day? Right. 
And, and only now I'm kind of seeing a lot of them have so, so their, their family working for them. And then that very thing, people doing their laundry for them when they don't have time. And it's like, that's the stuff that I really want to know. And I'm curious about, cause it's like, how do you, when you get to that level, level, do, do it all. You don't, you there's don't. a whole team behind you. You don't. You don't. And one luxury thing I would love in our future, a chef. <laughs> Somebody that makes, even if it like it makes you the food and has it, food you want to eat, <laughs> ready to go to eat. What's your favorite meal? Uh, oh, probably pasta. Japanese chicken wings. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I told mom to make some for us. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Okay. So yes, our very last question is what is your hope, dream, or vision for the world? I think I told it to you, but, and I know Ellen has got this trademarked, but be kind. Nobody knows what other people are going through. Take a breath. Don't react. Yeah. Listen. And, you know, could I do this better? Of course. But I really know that that's the goal and things will go that much smoother with everybody. Yeah. I'll get along. (laughs) Talk about it. Talk. I love that. Yeah. Be Mm -hmm. kind. Well, thank you so much for sharing your Sunday morning with us. Yes. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us. It was great. And where can people find you? I work for REMAX Real Estate Leftbridge and my website is property-twins.com and my email is Whitney at WhitneyMiranda.com and my phone number is 403-715-2085. Beautiful. Hit them up. Yes. Thank you. Whitney and Kirby Miranda folks. Know their names. They're going somewhere. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bodie. I hope you stay safe. Hi, my name is Gabe. I hope you have a great day. Audio production by Joel Vargasi at Lewis Studios.